0: of the Sportsaholic Podcast. It's February 5th at about 4.45 central time. And as always, it's a good time with my friend Sean Conway. Sean, how's it going? Uh, Super Bowl weekend was this weekend. What'd you do?
1: You know, it was, uh, it was a really nice day down here in Southern Illinois on Super Bowl Sunday. So Lindsay and I started off the day going to a, a new trail we hadn't been to called Jackson Falls. So we went to a nice three and a half mile hike. And then after that, we decided to hit up one of the local wineries down here and had some time on the uh, patio. They had some live music playing. It was a really nice day, like mid-60s, sunny. It was just a really beautiful, you know, day for February. And then we came home, made some food for the Super Bowl, grilled up some wings, some beer cheese mac and cheese, a beefy queso dip, and then, you know, a lot of other snacks on the side and just watched some great football
0: hell yeah it was it was some great football i did the same thing actually i I took a walk in the dan ryan woods on the south side of uh Chicago and it was beautiful. I was 55 in Chicago. It was great, sunny. And then I went over to my uh, old college roommates. Before I came over to SIU, I went to a different school. And my first roommate, I uh, went over to his uh, parents' house, and they they have about 50, 60 people over. They cater in like six, seven hundred dollars worth of food. Man, there's Oof. plenty of beer and good times awaiting, and pretty much for Super Bowl Sunday, which is exactly what we're about to get into
1: exactly you know it was a good one i mean the 49ers kind of came off the gun real quick there and they led 20 to 10 actually leading into the fourth quarter which made max and i a little uh, shaky in our 31 27 chiefs final score prediction from last week but no fear True. in the reigning mvp from the previous season patrick mahomes and the chiefs offense went on to score 21 unanswered points and the Chiefs would take the lead late in the game with uh, 2.44 left in the game. The drive coming off a seven-play drive, 65 yards, with the help of a 44-yard reception from Tariq Hill, and capped off by a five-yard touchdown reception by Damian Williams. And that came after him stretching over the pylon, just to, you know, add to the drama there. Chiefs would take the lead. Mahomes went 5-for-5 five five on that drive, kind of solidifying how that game went or, you know, how the uh, the awards afterwards. We'll get to that in a second. And then Williams put it away with a 38yard run with just yeah. over uh, a minute left in the game. Garoppolo would, uh, you know, come, fall short in their rally in the final minute, throwing an interception to, uh, you know kind of fizzle out the game. And honestly, that last drive where the Chiefs took the lead is the reason why Patrick Mahomes was the Super Bowl MVP. He struggled to start the game, two interceptions to start off. But, you know, had that clutch performance in the fourth quarter to, uh, you know, rally the Chiefs to that victory. Youngest Super Bowl MVP in history of the league at 24 years, four months and 16 days old at the day of the Super Bowl. And he's the 13th ever to win a regular NFL MVP as well as a Super Bowl MVP player in the history of the league. That's one of the main reasons why the Chiefs, The game. Max, what did you see as one of the main reasons the Chiefs won the game?
0: Well, I mean, it's got to be besides, I mean, like you said, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the man. Three total touchdowns uh, in that game. He is, to me, now that he has won the Super Bowl, Sean, he probably is the best player in the National Football League at this point. And it's going to be fun to watch him develop and grow even more over the next 15 years. And one of those guys who really helped him grow and develop and the the whole head operation of this Chiefs is Andy Reid. I mean, this is a guy uh, who was 14 and 14, 500 coming into, uh, into the Super Bowl? He got that big 15th victory. I, you know, this is, you know, this is, he's had 15 other playoff appearances. This is only the second time that he's been able to get to the big game, but Andy, uh, Reed, this guy is absolutely to me, probably, you know, the top, co- you know, greatest coaches to ever, you know, uh, coach the game, to manage the game. I, I agree. He's he one of the greatest coaches most... in the NFL right now. Yeah, absolutely. Seventh most... Uh wins all time and he said this though this is why I love Andy Reid besides just like being a great football guy and you know we all talk about the Andy Reid coaching tree and all those coaches Mm -hmm. that you know have come from him think about guys like Doug Peterson who just won the Super Bowl himself a few years ago we know all about that but he's just down to earth he's just like a guy's guy and being a fat guy myself he really (laughs) represents being fat and he said this after the Super Bowl Sean and I thought this was I thought this was the gas I thought this was what really brought uh, the, uh, all this together for Reed. He said, quote, unquote, I'm going to go get, get the biggest cheeseburger you've ever seen. Dat dot, dot. Might be a double. <laughs> unquote. <laughs> so, you know, he just says he's a great guy. And that's to me why the Chiefs won this game. Eventually, Andy Reed, after, again, the 15, you know, playoff appearances without uh, a ring or 14 without a ring, we knew that 15th time was going to be special for him.
1: I agree. I agree. Great for him. I've always liked Andy Reid, and it's uh, cool to see him get his his ring as a head coach. On the other side of, uh, of the game, though, the, the winners were the, the Chiefs. The losers, though, the 49ers, they had it in their hands. I kind of felt like things were going to uh, change around when the 49ers got that, that interception in the fourth when they, they had the 20-10 to 10 lead. And then they they did that group celebration in the end zone after the after the interception and I was like, Ooh, it's a little too early to be doing that. And that's yeah. kinda sparked it. But really, I think the Kyle Shanahan curse just struck again. The last time hmm. he was in the Super Bowl was when he was the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons in Super Bowl fifty one. They had the twenty eight to three lead that they end up, you know, blowing that they're, you know, famously known for blowing that game. And it just continued. I mean, they had the 20-10 to 10 lead, and it just crumbled. I, I felt like they, they trusted the ball in the hands of Jimmy Garoppolo too much. He, I think it was – let me pull up the stats real quick. It was 20 of 31 he should not have had. I mean, he had 27 pass attempts in the entire rest of the playoffs, and he had 31 right. here. It was working for them. The ground game was working for them. And, and like you were about to mention, and two interceptions on the day, only one passing touchdown – Completed about sixty percent, sixty six percent of the passes. They needed to be on the ground more, didn't they?
0: Well, yeah, that's my whole point. And I exactly, I think exactly you're right. Kyle shannon kind of like that and not only did Kyle shannon but the rest of that team, like you said, when you did the over celebration, not necessary. Not necessary. You still have a lot of football to go against again, Mahomes and the Chiefs' offense. And yeah, let's talk about like you said, Garoppolo twenty for thirty one in passing. He passed the ball thirty one times. The run the San Francisco rushing game rushed the ball a total of 22 times. Now, Sean, we talked about this the last two weeks, how they ran 42 times against, you know, Minnesota and then whatever it was, 47 against Green Bay. They had to run the ball at least 30 times and like you alluded to, Garoppolo passing more in this game than he has the entire playoffs. That was not the formation or the formula that needed to, you know, that was going to sustain success. I mean, Raheem Mostert, the guy they had, what, 200 20 yards and four four touchdowns. He got 12 carries, Sean. 12 carries. That is problematic. That is problematic. And how about Debo Samuel? He had three carries for 53 yards. Like... I know you can't always do that. I know that they were on some trick plays, but like some of those trick plays were really, really working with him. I'm surprised they didn't try to factor in another two or three uh, running plays with Samuel because that was one of the things that was working for him on offense. Uh, again, not, not exactly the best way to end the game if you're the 49ers, but again, congratulations uh, to the Kansas City Chiefs for Super Bowl 54 this year. 31-20 to 20 the final again. I
1: agree. And, you know, like we said, good for Kansas City Chiefs, good for the city of Kansas City, Missouri, that is. I'm not sure if uh, people get the joke I make there. But, I mean, the the parade was today. It was a good day. Everyone enjoyed it. Congratulations. And, uh, honestly, another congratulations goes out to another great year of Super Bowl ads. I was thoroughly entertained. A lot of great commercials (laughs) from the Doritos you know, living Doritos commercials living up to, you know, always having very funny commercials. They wouldn't take my top one, though, this year. I did have a, 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 a different one for uh, my favorite for this year, which would be the Rocket Mortgage Loan commercial with Jason Momoa. And it was him uh, coming home and unwinding. He's driving in. There's paparazzi taking pictures of him as he drives into his home. You know, he walks in, locks up. And it looks, you know, real secluded inside, and he starts to strip down, not like, you know, naked or anything, but he's taking off his fake muscles that he has, like big shoulder arms, (laughs) and then he lifts up his shirt and tears off the fake abs and chest and everything, and he turns to be a real (laughs) lanky and skinny guy, and it's real funny. And then he he sits down on the couch, (laughs) pulls off a a wig that shows his long, you know, famous mane, and he's bald on top with long hair on the sides, (laughs) looking real creepy, he busts out the um, what are those the, the slide guitar uh, instrument? It's not the that's not the right instrument. I should know this being a, a guitar player, but I, I can't remember the name of this instrument he's playing. And he's just looking at the camera all creepy. And it shows rock and mortgage loan." And then it goes to a final shot of him struggling to lift up an empty barbell. You know, one of those forty-five pound barbells, and he's doing a bench press. And he's like, "Take it, take it, take it" to his girlfriend, who just one hand <laughs> takes the bar and hangs it up. Super funny. I thought that one took the the, the, the top spot for me this year on, on on the the funniest commercial or my favorite commercial I should say.
0: I honestly you know like I said I was at my buddy's house so I was you know getting food in between so I didn't get to watch every commercial I didn't see that one but that sounds hilarious uh, I loved the Bud Light the new Bud Light seltzer commercial uh, inside of Post Malone's brain they were calling it yeah uh, I saw that one <laughs> yeah. yeah Post Malone walks into a convenience store and he asks you know the the guy behind the counter where the Bud Light is the guy directly you know points his finger towards the back. You know, uh he gets to the back and he sees the Bud Light seltzer though and then uh it's like, Ooh, he cracks it open, he's like, What's this? He takes a sip and then you can see the people actually like inside of his uh inside of his brain and you know, he takes a sip and they're like, Ooh, this is let's go to the uh taste bud factory and the taste buds are like Ah <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm like So he had that battle then so he likes it and then he's but the one side of his brain's like, you know, you should go with traditional Bud Light and the other side's like, well, you just had this great experience with your taste buds for this uh, Bud Light seltzer. So is it Bud Light seltzer or regular Bud Light? And, is you know, they have this back and forth... Uh, uh, battle between the people in his brain he knocks over everything in the convenience <laughs> store before exactly before before his brain decides on you could just get both and then of course everything's already knocked down and he asked the guy uh got any pretzels i thought that was <laughs> a good way to <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah good way to good way to wrap up that commercial that that was uh that was some good stuff anything else you saw sean I want to give an honorable mention. I'm not a big Tom Brady fan, but his commercial was pretty funny
1: as well. I mean, it they, it kind of had a premise that it was going to be uh, a retirement announcement. He had taken to social media a bunch, saying a big announcement's coming Super Bowl uh, Sunday, and it was this commercial, and and it's talking about you know him, you know, with well, the greats know when it's time to go, and and he's like, so to all my teammates my family and friends, and most especially to all the fans. I would like to take this time to make an announcement. And it cuts to him. And he goes, not only does Hulu have live sports, (laughs) and then it goes to but a script they gave me tells me that it also has everyone's live channels and a bunch of other things that Hulu offers. And it is just so... Funny, I mean, because you're expecting you're expecting a retirement <laughs> yeah. commercial, and it out comes a, a, a Hulu has live sports commercial, because they're changing the game up and how people watch their their streaming services. And he said, and he ends up saying, "But me, I'm not going anywhere." So. It looks like we're getting <laughs> another uh, year of Tom Brady at least. He wants to play at he's 45, so we got some uh, a few more years of him, I guess. Yeah, and, uh,
0: three more, yeah.
1: It, it, it was a funny commercial. If you love him or hate him, that was very funny.
0: No, I thought it was too, but my only point about it is like, do we really need to see Tom Brady this Super Bowl? Come on. Right, it we were going to get one year without Tom like Brady, and he was like, Brady' nah, and then he's then still going to get me i was like damn it <laughs> anyways let's get real quick uh to the ones we did not like sean i did not care for the uh jimmy fallon uh workout uh commercial yeah. with for Michelob ultra the whole thing was you know if you drink this Michelob light you don't really have to work out you know drinking light beer you know that's for that whole theory like drinking light beer you don't have to work out i drink plenty of it and it goes right to your gut so yeah, <laughs> yeah p- poor message jimmy fallon and he's just not the same he's just not the the same comedian he was, you know, 15 years ago. So what did you see? What was, what one did you uh, least like? I really didn't like the Planters one. I mean, everyone. Uh, the, oh, you, yeah. You,
1: a lot of people like baby, uh, the baby Mr. Peanut. That Stupid. was kind of like uh, going along with the same theme with Baby Yoda earlier in the year, the internet going crazy over it. I didn't like it. It came along with the controversial ad campaign that started a few weeks back where the Planters um, company released a, a video of showing, a couple of people in the the nutmobile is what they call it. It's kind of like the Oscar Mayer yeah. Wienermobile, but the planter's yeah. nutmobile with Mr. Peanut and a couple of real life actors going off the, the nutmobile over a cliff and they're hanging onto a branch. The three of them as the nutmobile crashes down, you know, hundreds of feet below and it's breaking and they realize, Oh, the branch is only strong enough for two of them. So they're like, who's going to be, who's going to be. And Mr. Planter sacrifices himself and you know, falls to is that they ended up actually scratching the <laughs> ad campaign, or talking about scratching that ad campaign after the the tragic uh, death of Kobe Bryant. It's it totally happened right. really close to each other, and they were gonna con- discontinue it, but they still went through with this weird, you know, Mister Peanut funeral commercial. Yeah, where that was it had really weird you know too. a bunch of mourners, and a, including a couple cameos from other ad campaign people like uh, Mister Clean and the Kool Aid Man joining, uh, the rest of the mourners. And it was really weird because suddenly Mr. Cool or the Kool-Aid man's magical teardrop lands on top of Mr. Peanut's grave and out sprouts a baby, Mr. Peanut who comes talking in a dolphin noise. And he goes, just kidding. I'm back. It was, it was really weird. I I didn't like it. I didn't get it. Uh, it kind of missed for me. It missed the ball.
0: Yeah, I didn't care for that one either, Sean. I thought that one was extremely, uh, lame as well. Uh, can you, I know, I know tomorrow is the Michael Vick part two. You were going to briefly touch, I mean, you know, want to spoil part one for the, our listeners who haven't seen it or myself, but, uh, cause I got to catch up on it as well, but you want to give a quick th- uh, preview of what we should expect or why we should be looking forward to the, uh, the sequel tomorrow. part Yeah. Two.
1: So ESPN, uh, with their 30 for 30 documentary series chronic uh, chronicling Michael Vick in a two-part series uh, last Thursday was part one. And it kind of show the, um, the early life and upbringing of Vick and all the way through his rise to, and, excuse me, uh, I just burped there. It rise to <laughs> NFL stardom, I should say. And then it, the, 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 it was roughly about an hour and a half long and it ended with Michael Vick's, you know, close, you know, people to him, you know, his friends and family starting to see some shady things going on at the, the house that he lived in. And, um, I forget the name of the town, but it was in Virginia. But th- a lot of people started to see some, you know, shady things saying were going on there. And that's when it kind of went ended. So it's looking like part two is going to pick up right along the, uh, the lines of, you know, the start of the decline of Michael Vick and all the, the sad animal abuse stories that, that came to follow with that. So that's something I, I encourage people to look into. If you haven't seen part one already, definitely go and, uh, and, and, find a way to watch that. Cause part two airs tomorrow night on ESPN. Really looking forward to it. And, uh, I, I definitely would recommend the watch.
0: Yeah. I'm hoping to play catch up and catch part one somewhere. Uh, you know, before I could potentially watch part two. But, yeah, no, that does sound enticing. It's quite the interesting uh, story overall. But, yes, part two tomorrow, like you said, Sean, on ESPN. Anyways, let's take a quick break here. That's a quick recap of what happened for Super Bowl and our favorite commercials. And on the flip side of this, we will be getting into some NBA and NHL action. Taking us to break, as always, is Jason James with his song, Out the Doghouse. Uh, You've been listening to the Sports Talk Podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway.
1: doghouse by jason james welcome back to the Sports hogs podcast we're going to flip things over to nba action the knicks and former now former president steve mills are parting ways with each other general manager scott perry will now oversee all basketball operations in the interim until they find his official replacement max what do you see about this uh this move with the new york knicks
0: Yeah, it was about time. He's been in their organization, Sean, for uh, fifteen years. You got to look at the Knicks. They're pretty rich. Uh, They have a rich history. They've been around the league forever. They have forty-two trips to the playoffs, Sean. Yet only two championships uh, to their credit. They're currently fifteen and thirty-six this year. And last season under that leadership, they were seventeen and sixty-five. They have they haven't made a play including this year let's just include them because i consider the knicks already done uh i don't think they're going to make the playoffs meaning they won't have made the playoffs in seven years and they really didn't they really even again they haven't even been good in the playoffs in 21 years they haven't even been to a finals uh game in 21 years sean so i do i think this is the right i think mills it was his time to go uh i think Anyone else but Mills at this point or anyone kind of from that era, really I think they should probably part ways with the guy they just got now or keep him, you know, exactly interim to the end of the year. But I think they need a young basketball mind. I think they need to go with a young basketball executive. Uh, a lot of people are talking about, I can't think of the guy, but the guy, uh, uh, Toronto Raptors GM he's a young basketball mind that makes sense but I don't think the Knicks can continually go like you know the Phil Jackson way you know what I mean like how they mm-hmm. did that a few years ago I think it's time for a, a new type of formula if you're New York
1: I agree so uh, we'll have more news on that as it develops uh, Scott Perry like I said will be taking over in the interim for all basketball operations let's move on to the approaching trade deadline, that is yes. tomorrow, I believe, at uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. Is that correct, Max? Uh, it's either
0: 3 or 4 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, it's either 3 okay. or 4 so p.m. Eastern,
1: yeah. As we approach, there was a big four-team deal. that's being named one of the most expansive trades in the last 20 years. The four teams involved were the Rockets, the Atlanta Hawks, the Minnesota Timberwolves, and the Denver Nuggets. So the Rockets will be getting forward Robert Covington and center, Jordan Bell, along with a 2024 second-round pick from the Golden State Warriors. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Hawks will get center Clint Capella and also center Nenya, while the Minnesota Timberwolves get uh, guard Malik Beasley, forward Juan Hernan Gomez, guard Evan Turner and Ford Jared Vanderbilt, along with a 2020 first round pick from the Brooklyn Nets. That's their lottery protected pick. And then the Denver Nuggets will get guard uh, Gerald Green, Ford Keita Bates-Diop, guard Shabazz Napier, and Ford Noah Vonleh, along with a 2020 first round pick from the Houston Rockets. Just a big, a lot of movement there and and a lot a lot of uh, uh big moves anything you see that stood out to you there
0: yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, Clint Kapala, uh going to the Hawks there. That's a good move for them. Also, the Rockets, man, they, they're saving about $12 million here. That should give them additional cap space, uh, Sean. Like you were saying, the t- deadline's tomorrow. I fully expect the Rockets to be one of the more active teams. They already have been. This move exactly was for them to save some money for their salary cap and hopefully, again, improve their roster by tomorrow. So next week, Sean, we'll get into more of the the trade deadline action i think that's a good preview but we'll break down like the uh the majority of the major moves and the roster uh shakeups that are going to help uh postseason contenders again we'll get into that uh a little bit more uh speaking of guys on the field let's, let's talk a little bit about the nba all-star guy uh nba all-stars that game is next week but we have some interesting news don't we sean yeah
1: last week we we're talking about how we think the nba will uh you know Seek ways to honor Kobe Bryant and uh, Gianna and the others that were involved in that tragic helicopter crash that happened. Wow, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before, and uh, we were, you know, theorizing. We're kind of close on what they said. They're gonna the LeBron's team will wear number two to honor Gianna, while team uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo will wear number twenty-four for Kobe. They will eliminate the shot, the 24-second shot clock uh, in the fourth quarter, as well as the leading team after three quarters. They'll call they they will have a running clock in the fourth, and it'll really just be until the team that's leading after after three scores 24 more points, unless the other team can come back and win. But it's it's that those are ways that they're honoring Kobe Bryant. And the, uh, the other nine lives, along with those number changes, the, they will also have a patch with nine stars on it to represent all nine lives lost on that tragic accident. And I thought that was a good way that they are honoring the, uh, the, the, you know, the lost souls of that, that tragic day.
0: Yeah, exactly, Sean. I mean, I think this is a really uh, great way to do it again. And the fact that these teams are, uh, you know, I think it's going to mean more. You know, the NBA All-Star, when we've talked about it on the show, whether it was the podcast or even back in college, never really never meant much. It was always, you know, can we see, you know, 163 to 161, mm-hmm. you know, uh, competition. And it was always more about the skills competition. This All-Star game this year has a lot of meaning. And, yeah, it's all because of Kobe and his daughter obviously and it should and for the league to react this way i think it's a great thing and honestly i really think the players are going to be motivated not only do they want to play for kobe and his daughter but there is there's a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars that's going to go to a local chicago charity and i just think Mm -hmm. you know i just think these guys want to play for charity it's in their nature too that's what kobe would want and again i think it's a great way uh, uh a great way for uh Again, for the NBA to uh, to look at this uh, situation and address it at All Star Weekend,
1: I agree. So now let's flip the script over to the slick stuff. A couple of weeks ago, we were uh, talking about how the the nightmare mascot that the Philadelphia <laughs> oh, yeah. Flyers have that everyone seems to love on the internet, Gritty, was uh, being investigated for a uh, you know a, a aggravated assault or aggravated battery on a 13 year old uh at like a signing or something well yes philadelphia police haven't concluded their investigation and have cleared gritty on all charges so he may be a nightmare to look at but he's he's not gonna <laughs> hurt the kids you could uh rest <laughs> assured he he just looks scary don't judge a book by its cover
0: and like i made that point i'm like man if the if this is gonna get to the point where mascots are starting to really hurt people uh, Then, Yeah, exactly. We really got to look. I mean, again, like I said this too, we got to look at sports in general and the culture of sports and climate right now. But I mean, if the mascot's going to get involved, we really got to take a look at it. Hey, something really we had to take a look at. I don't know if you saw this, Sean. uh, The hockey game between uh, the Flames and the Oilers, the the Battle of Alberta. Yeah, okay, you know what I'm talking about. It was a 6-3 uh, blowout in favor of the Oilers. I really don't care about the score as much as what happened. Uh, the Oilers' Sam uh, Sam Gagne uh, dived after a puck and poked uh, goalie Cam Talbot with his stick, and then all chaos pretty much would uh, go out from there. <laughs> mm-hmm. You'd see a bunch of guys go on the field, but then Mike Smith, the goalie, uh for the Oilers he uh he came out to center ice and looked at Talbot and then Talbot saw him, stared back for a second, and those two were drop gloves. It was awesome. It was oh, epic. Yeah. I oh, love yeah. when the goalies drop gloves. Uh Smith did out duel tablet. It was a short fight, but hey, anytime that um you see the goalies drop gloves, there's a huge testosterone boost, at least in my world Oh my gosh, yeah.
1: I I agree. And you know, the The battle of Alberta, it's just a great rivalry in, in, in the NHL. The the Flames and the Oilers have one of NHL's strongest, most heated rivalries. They've already yes. had multiple fights this season alone, uh, and yes. actually just just not even uh, a few weeks ago as well. And you know, it, it's 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 fun to see you know these kind of heated brawls happen a lot. And I know you you and I were joking about this the other day. We'd love to go to a Chicago Wolves game to watch some fights happen. And yeah, I, honestly, it, it's it's I love I love fights in hockey it always you know gives gets the crowd going the team the winning team in the fight gets going and then even the losing side you kind of you know want to you know prove yourself after after that you know a bad fight or something but it's always a fun way I love seeing you know this kind of you know sanctioned fighting in sports yes it's, uh, you know it was, it was a great thing the Oilers would go on to win that one eight to three not really a contest in that one both goalies were ejected after the uh after the the incident (laughs) and they actually just it was like 24 seconds left in the second period and they actually just ended the period there because of the massive brawl 50 minutes and penalties were distributed uh throughout the, the rest of them and they actually added 24 seconds to the third period so it was uh 20 minutes and 24 seconds for the third period
0: yeah, hey, either way, again, it was just great to see those. Uh, I mean, again, like you said, it's a good rivalry. In fact, if you thought about it, both these guys actually wore the opposite jersey just a year ago. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's what makes yeah. it even greater. The fact that these guys were, you know, worth the the other team just a year ago, I think just uh, makes the story uh, even greater. Uh, I don't have too much else uh, for hockey. What about you, sir? No, that's all we have. We're going to take a quick break here. On the Sports Hawks podcast, on the
1: flip side of this, we're going to go out, dive into a little bit of college hoops. You're listening to the Sports Hawks podcast with Max Zucker and Sean Conway.
0: Hey, it's Max Zucker here on the podcast. Many of you know that besides podcasting, I also work as a teacher. As a teacher, I value education more than I do sports. More than 34 million adults in the United States do not have a high school diploma. Recent data says that roughly 30% of adults with household incomes at or below the federal poverty line do not have a high school credential. If this is the case, as an educator, I encourage you to check out finishyourdiploma.org. They help you find free literacy centers, adult education classes, and you can hear stories from those who have successfully completed these classes. So if you need to earn that degree... I, again, I truly encourage you to go to finishyourdiploma.org.
1: And we're back for another round on the Sports of Hogs podcast, this time talking college hoops. Max and I are trying to incorporate a little bit more college basketball talks into our show as we've replaced college football in the, uh, you know, time down before March Madness. So let's talk a little bit of college sports. A little aside from basketball, Malcolm Turner, the athletic director, at Vanderbilt has stepped down from his position to spend more time with family and pursue other opportunities after only one year on the job and uh you know that was it was kind of a kind of a shock because it was looking to be a, a good a good direction with under Turner and now he leaves and they've found someone to be the interim but Max you had a piece you wanted to add in real quick
0: uh, no, nothing, uh, nothing too much more on what you were going to say. Just saying that Malcolm, uh, Turner, exactly. That he was going to resign due to fa- uh, family obligations. He only was at the school for a year. So it's kind of surprising to see that turnaround in just a year, but exactly family first, family first. I agree. And you know,
1: no, no, uh, there, you can't knock that. I, I you totally have to follow your, uh, you know, follow the right choices for your family in the uh, interim. Candace Lee has been named. The uh, interim replacement, and that's a big step for uh, not only Vanderbilt but for the, the SEC. Why? She becomes uh, Vanderbilt's first female athletic director, okay, as well as the first black woman to lead an SEC athletic department in the SEC. So, oh, I mean, wow. it, that's it's really an cool, incredible feat. Yeah, it's huge, it's, re- it's really cool, uh, you know, mile marker and, and uh, barrier to break, especially during. Black History Month uh, in, in February here.
0: Yeah, no, that's a that's a really cool feat. I did not know who the replacement was. I didn't even know they had a, one in the marking. I just saw that, uh, again, that uh, Malcolm, you know, resigned. But that's that's incredible. So really, truly, best of luck at Vanderbilt. Uh, you might want to start more importantly with that football program. That might be the first thing uh, you look at.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, under Turner, he replaced the basketball coach, Bryce Drew, with Jerry Stackhouse. But he kept Derek Mason after the dis- disappointing twenty nineteen season, saying that the focus had to be on building greater infrastructure for the program. We'll see if uh, if Candace Lee decides to to keep that uh, that mentality going, or if she's going to take a new direction, because that football team definitely needs some uh, some re- repairing there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anyways, let's get into the top ten, Sean, uh, for college basketball before we kind of do what we did with football. With basketball. I know there's a lot uh, more games throughout the week, but we'll still kind of pick out a game of the week because it's just a good a good way to kind of break it down. Anyways, uh, breaking down the top 10, Baylor currently number one at 19 and 1. Gonzaga, same thing as last week, number two at 23 and 1. Kansas, 18 and 3, sitting at, in the third position. San Diego State, they were 21 and 0, now they're 23 and 0, sitting in the fourth seed. Louisville, number five at 19 and 3 and Sean you want to round out the rest of the top 10
1: yeah we have Dayton in 6 at 20 and 2 Duke at 7 18 and 3 Florida State at, right behind them in 8th at 18 and 3 and in 9 we had Maryland at 17 and 4 and that would round off the top 10 with Villanova at 17 and 4 right now and they are in 10th they play Butler tonight who is Ranked 19th at 17 and 5, but the big game of the week, the one we want to focus on, would be Villanova and Seton Hall. They're the 10 and 12 seed. They play Saturday. And it's going to be a, a kind of a showdown for the Big East, wouldn't
0: you agree, Max? Well, it is essentially a, uh, a showdown for the uh, Big East. Seton Hall right now, eight and one in conference play, and uh, Villanova one game behind Seton Hall, seven and two in conference play. Both of these teams have good, uh, good records. Again, they're you know they're, if there's a reason why they're a top twelve program in the country right now. I think Seton Hall though will get the best of Villanova this week. I know that. They are out with their starting point guard, uh, Quincy McKnight. He hurt. his leg in a loss to uh, Xavier in his last game. He currently is the second leading scorer on the team, averaging 11.5 uh, points per game, uh, which is really my second key here then for uh, Seton Hall this week is senior guard Miles Powell, who leads the team with 21.4 points. He's really going to have to step up and, and play an elite level without, obviously, uh, Quincy McKnight uh, out with the injury. Uh, Powell only had nine points in that loss to Xavier. He obviously is going to have to play a lot better against the 10th ranked team in the country in Villanova. But I think he'll do that. And my third and last key for Seton Hall in this game, Sean, they're averaging 37.2 rebounds again, uh, rebounds a game as a team. That's 132nd in the country. And they just, they have to get better in it. You look at a guard, their top two guys, uh, the guard Jared Roden and center Romaro Gill. Both of these guys have over five and a half rebounds a game. The rest of the team not looking so, so spectacular in that, uh, you know, in that, in that field. They're going to have to do better at rebounding if they want to stay in, you know, in the top 12.
1: Well, you know, I agree. And, uh, I but I think Villanova has the advantage here only because they have the home court advantage, and that and my sole argument for that they were, wow, well, they were undefeated at home for the last two seasons ah. until this past uh, this past Saturday when uh, Xavier beat them 74 to 62. Both actually Seton Hall and Villanova coming off of lengthy win streaks of their own. Uh, Villanova on a looks like an eight game win streak. While I think Seton hall was on a 10 game win streak before losing on Saturday. And honestly, it's going to be a great game. Villanova, you know, I'm going to go with them in this one real close game. I'm going to say 71, 69, the final.
0: Oh yeah. That's kind of what I was kind of gearing that way, I was going to go with Seton hall, 74 to 68. So (laughs) right around there, right around there. Uh, Let's see. I believe that's it for college hoops. I didn't see yeah, anything else. Yeah, that's all we have for college football right now. Uh, college hoops right now. College <laughs> basketball, yeah, college, I should say. Excuse me, if we're so used to football. as yeah, I was going to say, I don't think we have too much else. Exactly. Next week we'll, get, we'll look into another, we'll break down another game as, again, we get closer to the March Madness. We want to get more familiar with college basketball. I'm sure you guys do as well here. Again, on the flip side of this break, let's talk about Major League Baseball, Sean, and there is a lot to cover about, including possibly the inclusion of Pete Rose coming back uh, from the restricted list from major league baseball much more here on the sports podcast with max zucker and sean conway
1: are you thinking about buying medicine online a search for online pharmacies yields more than 20 million results but which ones can you trust medicines bought from unlicensed online pharmacies can be dangerous you may get a fake drug your condition may get worse or you may experience a bad reaction don't put your health at risk to learn how to find an online pharmacy that's safe and legal, visit FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration.
0: Welcome back to the Sportsaholic Podcast. All right, Sean, let's uh, talk about some of these big deals that have been happening. In fact, in fact that three-team trade that happened last night, what do you got for us?
1: So, uh, the Red Sox uh, releasing, not uh, releasing, sending, I should say, Mookie Betts. And David Price to the Los Angeles Dodgers, along with some cash, and then the Red Sox in return getting Alex Verdugo from the Dodgers, along with Bruce Dar Gratterall from the Twins. And you know, I think that's just a great bullpen arm for the Twins to be picking, uh, or for the uh, Red Sox to be picking up. The Twins, they're kind of getting the uh, short end of the stick in this one, I think, with getting Kenta Maeda. Just another, you know, he's a veteran arm, but he's kind of on the decline. Max, what did you see about this three-team deal?
0: See, I don't think the Twins got the shorthand of that deal. He may not. But they be gave a up a really sex- good
1: bullpen arm. One of their best well, uh, well, prospects, that's, I would say. No,
0: Exactly. And Granarol is a top 100 prospect. Yeah, you normally wouldn't give that up for a guy like Maeda, but Maeda, Sean, is under control for four more years at $3.125 million. So he's not even making $3.5 million. Any Major League Baseball team can afford that, and he's a good enough pitcher to me. Uh, that, you know, he's exactly, he's not an ace, but he's a solid number four type guy. That's exactly what the Twins needed. They weren't 100% sure who they're for, uh, you know, behind uh, Odorizzi and Pineda and Barrios behind those three guys, who is going to come in, uh, you know, be that fourth guy. I think they found it, and you're going to have to pay a little bit for that. I'm all for what the Twins got out of that. Uh, Going to the Red Sox really quick, obviously you're losing Mookie Betts. We knew this was going to happen. They keep talking about the luxury tax. The luxury tax is one of my least favorite words that we've used on this um, podcast, though. But the luxury tax number was too high to keep Bets at an arbitration record of $27 million. Plus, you're giving $32 million a year to David Price the next three years. Um, You can't afford that. Uh, You're getting, obviously, two good players. Like you said, Alex Verdugo. He's a young player who has six more years of team control. Very cheap team control. That's why the Red Sox were attracted to him. And Granarol, like you said, he's still a prospect. He hasn't even hit... You know he's gonna make what six hundred something thousand dollars in the major leagues. No big yeah, deal I think, for the I Red Sox. Yeah, I think he Sox. made one.
1: He made one. Uh, score through one uh, pitch. or uh, score. Um, hitless inning in his debut last September, and that was his. I think that was his only appearance. So maybe maybe he had another uh, appearance or something, but that was. Yeah, I think all he, had... he did.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. So you're not going to accumulate too much service time. He still has, is still controllable for seven years. So exactly why the Red Sox did that real quick. So I don't run on too long. Dodgers are the big winners here. You're adding Mookie Betts. You needed to add Mookie Betts. You've been you've won seven straight division titles. You haven't won a World Series. And yeah, I don't want to talk about the Astros or the Red Sox and they're cheating. We know that's part of it. But you don't have those titles to your name. Getting the best player on the trade market made total sense for them. And David Price, if he's anything of what he used to be, even two thirds of what he used to be, Sean, he's still a really good number three starter in baseball. They have the money to take on these contracts. Remember, they lost out on signing Machado and Harper last year to big term extent. You know, this is you know this is easy money for the Dodgers uh, to bring in. Uh, it won't be the first time that the Red, uh, Dodgers helped out the Red Sox. Remember that big uh, Adrian Gonzalez and Josh Beckett mm-hmm. trade? Oh, that, that mm-hmm. must have been 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, Anyways, let's get into the other uh, quick news of the Dodgers here. They have sent Jack Peterson and pitcher Russ Stripling to the Angels. Makes yep. total move for the Angels, Sean. You're getting another guy who has some power behind Rendon. And Trout in that lineup, Ross Stripling, a good veteran arm uh, to add to, again, a very weak rotation for the Angels. In return to the Dodgers, they're going to get some prospects. And uh, infielder Luis Rangrifo uh, had a 1.8 war last year in limited time. He's got seven years of team control. When you bring in a guy like uh, you know Betts and Price with their contracts, you had to unload here peterson exactly get some young talent back as well
1: There we go all right well uh another move that was made um the mariners extending left-handed pitcher marco gonzalez to a four-year 30 million dollar deal last year he had uh you know a pretty pretty damn good year 34 starts that was one of the uh the league leading ones and then one of the higher you know number of wins in in the league i think it was fourth in the league with 16 wins last year for the mariners i think it was a great move what'd you see there
0: no, absolutely great move. Uh he was already under contract, under his rookie contract this year, so again it's an extension that goes uh through next uh through potentially 2025 he's making 5 million next year 5.5 in 2022 6.5 in 2023 12 million in 2024 and then he's got a 15 million dollar option for 2025 you know if you're the mariners you're obviously not trying to stay a a seller dweller forever at some point there is going to be a light at the end of this tunnel hopefully for your rebuild you still have another at least this year potentially next year too to kind of rebuild and reshuffle that roster you're gonna to want to have a young, controllable pitcher like a Gonzalez once you get out of that tunnel, and uh, you know exactly he's locked up for potentially five five more seasons, so that's all good. Yep,
1: and uh, you know some more news in Houston baseball. They right. Uh, they oh, right. They've they've named their new GM as James Click, who uh, has spent the last three seasons as the vice president of baseball operations for the Tampa Bay Rays. And he's been with the organization itself for fourteen year, fourteen years in various different positions. So it's a good move, especially with a scandal-plagued organization right now, and going to be one of those faces. You know, that's going to help. You know, steer the course during this. Uh, I would say bumpy and wavy season that's ahead for for the Astros.
0: Yeah, I think that. I think that's brilliantly how you just put that. Yeah, bumpy and wavy is definitely going to be. Uh, the motto here for this season. Look, you know what, though? You look at a guy like Click, he's only 42 years old. He does have experience, like you said, the last three years being the president of operations in Tampa. I think this is a good pick. I think, again, kind of like we were talking about last week, how you want, I mean, we talked about Dusty coming on. You want the older guy to kind of answer the media and those questions. I think this is a good guy for like your internal side who doesn't have to answer a lot of those big questions to the media and can really just look to kind of form and shape this team I think he's a good guy you look at uh, what Tampa Bay and the success Tampa Bay has had the last three years You know, since uh, he's been named to that title I'm sure when he inherits this Astros roster Sean it'll all be fine and dandy uh, let's get to the real pressing issue here, and that's Pete Rose. That's Pete Rose, and he... <laughs> we've done talking about this because it's like the Astros. Do we compare it to the Black Sox? Steroids? Well, Pete Rose, we've made all of these con- you know contributions and comparisons over the last couple, you know, over the last month doing the podcast anyways. But anyways, Pete Rose has asked uh, Commissioner... Rob Manford today uh, to remove his name from Major League Baseball's ineligible list, which then obviously would make him uh, be uh, considered for the Hall of Fame. He has had a 30. 30- plus-year ban for gambling on the sport of baseball from when he was the manager of the Reds. Uh, and he did. He sent in a whole petition to the commissioner's office, and if you'd like to see a copy of it, uh, it, it you can see it on ESPN.com. Uh, we won't go over the whole details of it, Sean, but exactly, he wants in. He wants to come back. He wants to be off this ineligible list, and essentially his whole point is he feels like the steroids... And with this recent Houston and Red Sox, the videos, he's like, these are worse things than what I did at least. And that's why he's kind of making a final appeal. Uh, Rose is getting up there in age and, you know, he doesn't have too much more time for the Hall of Fame, Sean. The man bet on his team to win. He never bet
1: against his team. He wasn't, he wasn't cheating by any means. He was just gambling. I personally don't really gamble. I don't like to make bets. But, you know, there sh- it shouldn't be frowned upon as much as it is. Using you know performance-enhancing drugs, using illegal or using technology to steal signs to give it a competitive edge to win World Series, those are much more heinous crimes, and they're being charged, or and they're getting with a lot less getting away with a lot less severe punishments compared to Pete Rose's lifetime ban. I believe you know Robert Manfred should uh, should consider you know lifting his ineligibility. I would like to see the all-time hits leader be inducted into the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, I mean, hits, games played, at bad singles, this guy's done it all. And exactly, here's here's my thought. I, I think you put good terms. I'd like for at least Manford to consider it. I'd like for him to at least read and look through the evidence. I mean, Rose is 78. You don't live forever. Do you want this guy in the Hall of Fame or not? And if you really don't for the gambling aspect or you feel as you know, the commissioner, you don't want to get your hands too wet, Okay, I kind of understand it, but I feel like Rob Manfred is one of those guys to actually really look and consider it and have feelings and look at you know from both sides, from the fan side, from Rose's side, you know, from Major League Baseball standpoint. I have a feeling he's a good, you know, I think he's a good enough commissioner to understand that. And I, exactly, I'd like for him to at least review the case i agree i think he should be reinstated and i think he, obviously then he's the first ballot hall of famer we don't have to argue nobody's going to argue any of that um you know it's just what is the commissioner going to do going forward at this point point? and again i'd like for him to at least review uh review the language of the text again you can see it on espn.com but it's quite it's quite interesting if you haven't read it please do uh And go Pete Rose. (laughs) Go Pete Rose. I hope he gets in. Put him in the hall. Exactly. Put him in the hall you know so exactly to get off that ineligible list it's a hard thing to do but exactly best of luck to rose we'll give updates uh more updates as more of this develops anyways sean let's take a quick break here on the flip side of this break i got a lovely trivia for question for you and you got the drink of the week for the fans and fight corner that's what's coming up next here on the sportsaholic podcast with max zucker and sean conway
1: Sportsaholics Podcast is powered by the Snowball Ice Microphone by Blue Microphones. The Snowball Ice Microphone features an audio condenser mic capsule, which delivers a rich, detailed audio you'd expect from a professional studio, making it perfect for recording music, podcasts, live streaming, or even dictation. The Snowball Ice is an easy plug-in and play USB microphone that doesn't require any additional software to be downloaded. Just plug in, and you're good to go. Snowball Ice by Blue Microphones
0: and we're back on the sportsaholic podcast all right sean we were talking about the re uh the uh, chiefs and andy Reid earlier congratulations andy Reid, on getting your first super bowl ring now let's talk about sean conway some of those uh coaches who have a bunch of wins but no super bowls so again prior uh going into the super bowl andy win had 207 wins making him the active leader of coaches with the most wins but no titles to their credit. Can you name me the next three guys in line, the next three head coaches in line, Sean Conway, with the most wins but no Super Bowl titles? They might have appeared, but, again, they did not bring home the title. Uh, Jeff Fisher. Uh, incorrect. He actually, if I was asking a top four list, Sean, he would have been number four on <laughs> that list with, uh, let's see, and 73 wins but
1: huh, okay yeah top um, three
0: we're looking for
1: what about uh Dan
0: Reeves yeah nice. Dan Reeves 190 wins and no Super Bowls that puts him second
1: oh wow you know maybe he would have uh you know won a Super Bowl if he had you know kept Michael Vick out of the dogfighting ring.
0: <laughs> yeah, since you mentioned that part earlier, got part two uh, tomorrow on ESPN, of that Michael Vick special. But, yeah, good point if he kept him. Uh, other two guys, Nate, Reeves right in the middle with 190 wins. One guy with a few more wins and one guy with a few less wins. Oh Man, I don't know. Uh, just give it to me, man. I'm, I'm not going to be able to guess these two. All right, well, uh, the guy with 186 wins behind Reeves with no Super Bowl would be Chuck Nax. And, uh, yes. And then, of course, Marty Schottenheimer, 200 wins, 126 losses. Longtime coach, it seems like forever, actually, of the Kansas City mm-hmm. Chiefs. And if at the yeah. tail end, with the Chargers at the tail, tail, tail end of his career. But yeah, Marty Schottenheimer, uh, 200 wins, no Super Bowl title, making him now the, <laughs> the, that, uh, that guy. Good for you, Andy yeah, Reid. Number one. He's the new number one. New <laughs> number one. All right, what are you drinking on Sean Conway? Well, uh, you know, your your trivia was honoring Andy
1: Reid, the Super Bowl champion. I figured why not have a beer from Kansas City, Missouri. Sweet. So I, I was uh, I was browsing the uh the the selections at the grocery store and I came across the Boulevard Brewing Company and it was their Irish ale, a traditional red ale I should say. And it's, you know, the brewing company out of Kansas City, Missouri, like I said. 5.8% ABV. It's got a pretty cool bottle. It uh, it has the logo for Boulevard, as well as it's Irish, real big across it. It has a, uh, a Colada logo, if you know what the Colada ring is. It's, uh, yeah, of course, you know, of two course. hands holding a heart and real symbolic in the Irish culture. And uh, I would put it right up there with, uh, you know, my favorite Irish Red Ales that I had. That, those being... You know, the the Smittix, obviously, that's one of my favorites. And then Molly's Pint down here in Murfreesboro, they make one of my favorite ones as well. And uh, really good. I, I enjoy it, and, um, you know, I would recommend this to anyone. And congratulations again to the Kansas City Chiefs.
0: Yeah, exactly. Nice. I'm glad he chose a beer from the Kansas City market. That does sound really, really tasty. I could actually go for one now, but it would take me a long time to travel to Carbondale to join you for that. But that does sound really damn good. Uh, Sean, what do you have for us for Fight Corner this week? So, uh, UFC
1: 247 is this weekend in Houston. The main event, we've got John Bones Jones sitting at a record of 25-1 and in one, and one no contest. along Going against Dominic Reyes, who is undefeated in his professional career. Dominic Reyes, I forgot to drop his nickname. The Devastator, I should say. Oh, man. Jones is coming off of a dominating performance in 2019 versus Anthony Smith. And then... You know the fight really could have gone any either way against uh, Thiago Santos, with B- Jones obviously coming out victorious in that one. And you know I've always kind of gone against John Jones because of all of his off the out of the octagon incidences with you know drugs and and you know other other things you know that disqualified him from you know separate fights. I know he gave Daniel Cormier his first professional loss on a fight that he was you know using PEDs for, and it, you know, I, I've tried, I usually, you know, don't like to see his fights, but I'm looking forward to watching this one, it should be a good one, 25-1 and 1 versus 12-0, and 0. really excited to watch this fight, and, you know, Reyes, he's just kind of dominated all of the competition he's faced in his young career, I'm looking forward to this, you know, things to look forward to, uh, you know, also this month we have the, I mentioned the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder fight and I'll get on to that next week but uh before we get into what we will have next week Max what did we miss this week
0: uh this week we totally 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 blanked on the XFL that will be coming back if you're looking yep. for your uh, fix of football after the Super Bowl the XFL is back uh games are all uh on national television this week you have Seattle at DC kicking off at one o'clock eastern uh that's on ABC at 4 o'clock, at, and Fox will be LA and Houston. Then this Sunday, Tampa Bay and New York on Fox at 11 and, and e, uh, at 1, I'm sorry, ESPN at 4 o'clock for St. Louis and Dallas to wrap up the first week of the XFL. The Yankees today play starter James Paxton on the injured list. He will be out for three to four months after having back surgery. So that's a huge hiccup for their rotation to start the year. Uh, and on May 29th of this year, the Philadelphia Phillies will retire the number 34 in honor of the late great Roy Holiday. Uh, they chose this date because it will mark the 10-year anniversary of his perfect game with the Phillies. I thought that's a pretty sweet tune to uh, to wrap the show up here for this week, Sean. What do we got for next?
1: Well, we'll bring you the rest of the trade deadline stuff in the NBA as well as a uh, quick preview, I would say, heading into the All-Star break, whether that be for the NBA season or just what to watch for on the NBA All-Star weekend. And then, you know, pitchers and catchers start reporting next week uh, between the 11th and 14th. So we'll have all the things to look forward to for spring training. And we'll have much more in the, uh, the hockey world and college basketball as well. And uh, maybe even some uh, NFL news to talk about. But that's what we have to look forward to. I'm going to have a few more beers between then.
0: <laughs> you enjoyed those beers. Exactly. Those were sounding really darn good as you were describing them earlier, Sean. Uh, Jason James, thanks for providing your music once again. To the weekly fans and listeners of the show, again, much kudos and appreciation, as I say, uh, uh, as always, each week. And we truly mean that here at the Sportsaholic Podcast. Sean Conway, always my friend, a good time being on the line with you. Glad we could do a good breakdown of the Super Bowl today and much more. And again, we'll have much more next week here on the Sportsaholic Podcast. Uh, I'm Max Zucker, and again, you've been listening to the Sports Talk Podcast.